Hello and welcome to the Left Hook Larry podcast. I'm Greg Checklin and I'll be joined alongside Ewan Chapman. This week we're going to be discussing Josh Taylor's historic victory over Jose Ramirez to unify the super lightweight division. Yeah, we decided to settle this bet, which I don't really ever remember agreeing to, but <laughs> here we are. Um, I thought I was just coming in for a nice little session on the pads, you know, really get me used to, you know, really learn how to box, essentially, because I'd never even stepped in a ring before. But being the man that I am, I'm, you know, obviously scared of no one. And I I uh, got my gloves on, got in that ring, and I'd say give a good account of myself, probably about 35 seconds. Um, was the the time on the clock at, at the stoppage? But look, um, these things happen. Um, pretty sure we agreed no headshots, but here we are. You know, no complaints. I'm no, no. I had said that I was just going to show you what a headshot feels like. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it was a really good experience. Um, I learned a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, so I think you know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and despite me rolling around in pain for the next few days um <laughs> it was a really good experience so i appreciate that thank you well it, it was <laughs> i think i'd gone there with the intention of you know let's just do a little bit of training but then when i read back through all the messages that you'd sent me <laughs> how world class you were and how you're going to stop me i just thought right that's it i've just got to show him i you know and the thing is i like i've watched it back as well and i don't think i looked like i was actually putting it on you that hard like I, I definitely wasn't trying to kill you. No, but, but I was just, I was, it was like a, it was just like just a little play around and just, just to show you kind of what boxing's like. Yeah, it was good um, fun. It was good fun. And it's, it's a, it's a good lesson to learn. You've took a punch now. Yeah, and now I realise I've got, I've got no chin, so um, <laughs> that's good to know. No, it was I the thought... body shot that was the main issue. Yeah. Well, as I said, that was not in a fun place for me. Somewhere I've been injured and like. For ages. Oh, okay, here we go. Yeah. Well, look, am I, am I saying that things could have been different, you know, if you'd hit me somewhere else? Look, I'll say you knew what you're doing. You'd done your research. Um, you know, you <laughs> yeah, because that, that, that curling up in a ball technique seems to be really effective, actually. <laughs> I mean, that that was oh, dangerous. The, I call that the human armadillo. I thought fighting on the inside was easier than that. <laughs> It is really difficult. I just don't know what to do. Like, it's actually, I thought one thing that surprised me, I thought it'd be quite easy to, like, wrap someone's arms up and, like, yeah. stop them from punching on the inside. Really not. It's not. I, I this is, they won't just let you do that, you know? This is when you said, like, oh, uh, you know, 20 seconds, all I have to do is tie you up. And, or, <laughs> no, like, it, it's not that easy. If you don't know boxing, like, you, you won't know how to stop someone. Like, yeah. And I, the thing is, as well, I hope from that experience you've kind of have more of a, an appreciation of 
and by no means am I a world-class boxer. Mm. I'm probably like a pretty standard level amateur boxer. There's a lot of people that are a lot better than me. Um, so that's the thing. It's kind of like just like I just wanted you to have, kind of have that appreciation for how tough of a sport mm. this actually is. Like, oh, I, yeah, I, no, think, I think you can watch it. And you go like, oh, I can probably do that. I can do yeah, a few yeah. things. Like, they're like it is a different different level. Yeah. No, it, absolutely. Um, Obviously, you always know that but then to actually experience it is another thing like it's it was the same when i started doing brazilian jiu-jitsu and you're like if guys who have got like a little bit of experience as like a sort of low level blue belt are absolutely destroying me it shows you the levels that there are to this you know then you know what would a purple belt or a brown belt do to them and so on and so forth and it really gives you appreciation of like the levels of what you're doing and how difficult things actually are versus what you're seeing and what you think you can do <laughs> versus yeah. what you can actually do. Um, but no, I wasn't, I wasn't in no um, sort of uh, illusion that I was, I was a better boxer than I am, but it, yeah, it was maybe even harder than I thought, I guess. Yeah. Well, the thing is from now on, I, uh, now I want to build you up and get you to actually like, Oh yeah. Good level boxing. Cause there's like, there's so many, like I'd say the main issue was just your balance and your position. Like, and maybe just like you, I've got to get you more used to actually just facing a punch rather than turning and running from a mm-hmm. punch. Um, that's, I mean, it's just genuine, genuine, like, just that that holding that base standing yeah. strong like that i think that's mm-hmm. that's the main thing that going forward we're going to work on um, yeah, no, i appreciate that. well you're right though because that's again it's so easy to like see it once you watch your video back but you know how, how can i see what you're throwing if i'm not turned if my, my head's turned away you know yeah. but, and just feet positioning you you was like one foot was crossing over the other. It was like you were doing the Macarena. So yeah, we got we got <laughs> we just got a nice strong base. And like I think when Richie Woodhall was um, training Rio Ferdinand for his apparent boxing mm-hmm. debut. Oh wait, was it Richie Woodhall? No, sorry, it was Johnny Nelson. Oh wait, no, no, it was Richie Woodhall. It was was yeah. Richie. Woodall. Um, he said that for six months they just worked on footwork and that was all they worked on didn't even yeah. throw a punch just literally that. get used to holding your feet and that is exactly the reason because you can't do anything in boxing you can't throw a punch unless you hold your feet properly and you move properly so yeah I'm going to take a leaf out of Richie Woodall's book and stop beating you up and start um, yeah. getting you moving those feet thank you mate thank you I would love to know how to throw a punch next time um, <laughs> definitely help Definitely. Yeah. Okay, so Taylor versus Ramirez. Um, this was, I mean, annoyingly a fight that wasn't widely available um, for everyone to watch, but um, I'm sure a lot of you have, have had access to, to the fight afterwards or um, if you did pay for the fight on Fight TV. Um, and yeah wow it definitely lived up to expectations and you know again it just proves that we want to see more and more of these fights we want to see um you know the real champion come through in every division and there to be no question marks as to who's the best and um you know though all those uh questions were answered on saturday night and it was absolutely spectacular and and what a performance um and i think also how relieving that the scorecards were all consistent and 
all fair enough, really. I mean, I've certainly agreed with all the scorecards. And um, yeah, in a fight like that, you're always a little bit concerned. You know, how are you seeing it? Maybe it might be a little bit subjective, but luckily um, all the judges were, were on the same uh, on the same or singing from the same hymn sheet. And it was, a, yeah, we got a fair result, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's just, just great that we've we're actually getting you know top quality fights, undefeated fighters going up against each other, unifying divisions. You know, um, I mean, there's the massive like black cloud hanging over the event, which you know I don't want to start off on, but you know the fact that it wasn't shown on British TV. I mean, it's an absolute like just genuine, genuine travesty and such a shame. Um, but yeah, the fight itself was just brilliant, just really top class. Yeah, but you know the the issue I had with the fight was the referee and Kenny Bayless. I felt was giving Josh Taylor a hard time, trying to get too involved in the fight, touching fighters and pulling arms out in areas where he shouldn't be. Um, and was that you know trying to help Ramirez out? Was that trying to give him a helping hand potentially? Um, <laughs> I mean. Ultimately, it led to the to the second knockdown. So, so in fact, Kenny probably ended up helping helping Josh out. But um, on on the track of scoring, I I I don't know. I for me, I thought it was a little bit too close because I I had it seven five Josh. So then with the two knockdowns, what does that come out? Seven three. So four point gap. So. I can like I think my initial reaction at the time, probably a bit more one sided, just wanting Josh to do it, was oh this is like this is a piss take. They clearly wanted Josh to win. Um but then going back now I can kind of see it, but I do still think that for top rank for Barb, uh for British bo- uh, for American boxing, sorry, I think they probably were really hoping that Ramirez would win. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and you saw that in a lot of the predictions. Um, you know, they do the fighters predict who's going to win, and there was a lot of bias, I think, towards Ramirez. But you know, I think it was a a fair, understandable prediction. If you did genuinely pick him to win, it wouldn't have exactly been an upset. So, um, I guess fair enough in a way. But yeah, there was was a little bit of bias there. Um, and yeah, on the scoring, I think six six or seven five to Josh. I think I can see both ways. There were some close rounds in there. Um, but ultimately it doesn't matter. I think one thing um, I was a little bit, well, not disappointed with, but Ramirez after the fight was saying, you know, oh, if it hadn't been for those two knockdowns, and he was saying they were flash knockdowns. Mm. Uh, I, don't, I don't agree with that really. Um, you know, particularly on the second one, I mean, his legs were shaky and he got given a long time to, uh, to you know, sort of get back on his feet and um, recuperate, which I thought again was a little bit unfair. So, for him to say that they were, you know, flash knockdowns. And it's sort of like this, a lot of people commenting saying, oh, if I hadn't been for the knockdowns. I mean, that, that's such a bizarre argument. It's like yeah, saying, boxing. yeah, it's like saying, oh, if you hadn't scored more goals than me, then you wouldn't have won <laughs> that, that football game. It's just, I'm pretty sure isn't that a Michael Owen quote? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to score goals to win or whatever he said. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> Literally, but it's just, yeah, stupid argument. He got the knockdowns. All right, he didn't knock him out, but that's... But also, what amazing knockdowns they were. Like that oh, yeah. first one, the step back right. I mean, it's just the like the most perfect, mm-hmm. perfectly timed shot. Um, and there's, no, there's nothing flash about that. That is just... 
like perfection. That is beautiful part of boxing. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that is really. so, that is a master of their class, and then you look at that that uppercut. That's just perfect timing. It's mm-hmm. knowing exactly when to sh- throw shots and seeing your opportunities, and it was just completely bang on. He's just um, so crafty. Like when I watch him, I, I think he, the things he does, he like he, he almost like sees opportunities that other boxers don't see. Like it's very strange. It's not necessarily like he's throwing these amazing combinations, but he's throwing like the perfect shot at the perfect pick some, time. Pick somewhere. He's finding just the right shot, which is like... It's, like a, it's almost like he's a 50-fight veteran. It's like you yeah. wouldn't expect him to be, you know, yeah. 18 fights into his career or or is it 19 fights now? I mean, he just seems to have such a good boxing IQ um, with, and with such, like, such little pro experience in comparison to other fighters. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. And I, I think... He just does everything so well. He's such a well-rounded fighter, and you can see that you know when he's at range, he's got that nice jab. He's nice and flashy. He's got that nice step back right. Um, well, not step step back left. Sorry, because he's obviously a southpaw, um, which makes him also, also much trickier. Mm-hmm. But then as well, just inside, he just seems to actually work really well inside, mm-hmm. um, and and you know throw body shots and. And they look hard as well. It looks like he, he has serious power in his punches. So mm-hmm. He's like that full package of just brilliant fighter, just just an amazing, amazing technician. And, and I think the, well, we were talking on, on the last episode about Canelo and sort of where he goes from, from uh, the Billy Joe Saunders fight. And it's sort of, there weren't really many names that got you, you know, really excited for, for what's to come. But you look at all the potential fights that, are there for Josh Taylor, all right, maybe not in his division anymore because obviously he's unified. But oh my goodness, like in that, you know, in that welterweight division, you know, it's just, or even if anyone wants to move up from uh, from lightweight, it's just incredible. Like the yeah. fights that can be made are, there's so many super fights that can be made that just, it makes you go, oh, this could actually get so interesting. Um, particularly uh, in that welterweight division, it's just like, wow. Um, yeah. And I think he's got he's got the frame for it. I think, you know, I wouldn't see any problem with him. He's a massive guy. He's a massive guy. Yeah. And I, I definitely, like, you look at Terence Crawford, king of the 147s, he was, I mean, did he win a world title at lightweight? Or I think maybe his first one was at the same as Josh at, um, at uh, light welterweight. But, um mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think there's any issue with Josh Josh moving up. He's a big guy. He, you know, this was the first, since he's been with Ben Davison, his wife's been doing his nutrition. So he he didn't even have a nutritionist. It's mm. only now, in his last two fights, partner, partnering up right. with Ben, that he's actually got a proper nutritionist in. Uh, so, you know, just little things like that are definitely going to help him to level up his game. Um, but then he's like, what, what would I rather see? Because does he hang around and fight Jack Catterall, which... You know, so let's just say it happens in in Glasgow. You know, it happens in Scotland. They get a big crowd. They get the atmosphere. You know, it could still be a really interesting, you know, like an exciting fight. I mean, I think Josh Taylor wins it because I don't think Jack's on his level. But I still think it'd be, you know, a big draw for British crowds. It'd be exciting to see Josh back at home. Um, and then also to see... Uh, Tiafimo Lopez, who's you know obviously a massive guy down at lightweight, potentially move up and fight. I think they're probably like if it was to hang around, that is, would be the ultimate 
kind of path for me. And I would love to to watch those because I do think he's got enough to beat uh, Tifimo as well um, before he goes on to to move up. And you know the fights that are at, um, at welterweight are just ridiculous. But yeah. I'd, I'd want to like cement himself as like the ultimate king of that division. Yeah. Probably beat up Tiafimo and then move up before yeah. um, we see him take on Crawford and Spence and I th- I maybe Pacquiao. Yeah, and I think as well, like when you consider the way that he's done it, I mean, a lot of fighters nowadays are sort of taking the path of least resistance to get to where they want to be, um, you know, to sort of fight for a vacant title to then have the opportunity to fight someone else who's got a few titles, you know, would be their sort of ideal route to unify division. Whereas Josh has just taken, you know, some of the most difficult fights at every stage of his career. And he's, he's just not messed around. He's not wasted his, his, you know, his professional career. And he's taken tough fights, but fights that have basically got him to where he needs to be in, you know, in the quickest amount of time, really. Um, and I think that is what's particularly impressive about how he's how he's gone about it. You know, he's really not shied away from anything. And there's a lot of talk at the moment as to how fighters go about it nowadays with their professional career. You know, have the days disappeared where you sort of just basically, you know, have 20 throwaway fights, you know, fighting tin cans and then use that to get where you want to be. Um, but ultimately, most fighters have to do that. Because if they didn't, then their professional career would be so short. And, you know, I did, well, realistically, they wouldn't be lasting very long because they'd just be in these really tough fights and they wouldn't make much money. Um, but Josh had that much faith in his own ability that he knew he was going to win all those fights. So he took those risks and obviously that they paid off. And yeah, the resume that he's got is is pretty outstanding, really. I guess, like we were saying, in terms of the fights that can be made, the only thing that might be missing is just a household name, you know, because because we know how good those fighters were that he's beat, but do the general public know? And you know, do, does the general public even know who Josh Taylor is? Is another is another issue really? Um, that's a that's a worrying question, Greg. That's a worrying question, but it's probably true. But you know, I, I was thinking like who to compare Josh Taylor and his career to, and you can really compare it to like Usyk went on. Unified the cruiserweight division. How many people? How much should the general public knew Usyk at that point? I'd say pretty much no one. It took the fights versus you know Tony Bowyer, um to to actually to actually make him that kind of household name. So I think that's Josh Taylor. You know he's unified the division. Us boxing fans, I'll, I'll include that you in that, Greg. You know us hardcore boxing fans, we know how good Josh Taylor is. Um, I think he's just now, yeah, getting the the name, the the just your average Joe on the street. Who does he know? He knows Pacquiao. Who else does he know? <laughs> so I think probably in that weight division, how many people know Terence Crawford in the UK? I, I mean, you just need that big yeah. name, probably. Probably like, do, does he deserve probably a slightly? Well, is Pacquiao an easier easy fight? But you know, do, he deserves that mega fight yeah. where yeah. he's probably going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's the kind of name I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be so opposed to seeing him fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely agree, and I, I think he deserves it. You know, he deserves all the money that you'd get from a fight like that as well, because 
you know, he is the best. So why not, you know, milk it? You know, you see like, like AJ does with every fight that he's in, fighting guys that are not even half as good as some of the opponents that Josh has fought. So, you know, he deserves a, a fight like that where, let's be honest, he'd be expected to win, but he'd make a lot of money from it. So, yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you. And I, I hope he does go on to make a lot of money now. And I hope to God that we can get him on some proper big British shows. And it's almost as if um, Bob doesn't care too much about <laughs> the British fans, really. Mm. Um, because why wasn't why wasn't Sky or BT holding that fight? Um, yeah. What a shame. What a shame. And as well with the the statistics that came out on, on the uh, pay-per-view, that actually did good numbers as well, despite really not getting much promotion and being on a you know a, some strange channel fight TV that I've not even heard of. Um, it's uh, it did very well, very good numbers. So imagine someone like Eddie Earn promoting it. You know, it's like makes you just think, wow, what a missed opportunity. But yeah, is what it is. And that's the thing. If if Eddie Hearn had Josh now, imagine like the pedestal that Eddie Hearn puts fighters on. And mm-hmm. I know it can be infuriating, but for Josh Taylor, how great that can be, and how well he could be promoted. And you know, <laughs> it's, it's almost a shame that he gets. Well, I mean, it seems like a harsh thing to say, but it's like he's wasted with, with yeah. Bob Arum when he should really be a British star. He should really be top of the food chain. So. Oh, so you know, I was out on my run the other day, and I was, you know, I, I kind of said said it as like a just a bold statement to see if it can get any traction and then i started to think about it and it surely it must be true um so i was having this conversation with my brother you know he was on the last episode of the pod if you want to go back and listen to it <laughs> um but wow. of of our generation of who we've seen boxing so who we've watched with our own eyes and you now i've really had to try and think back surely josh taylor now has to be the best pound for pound British fighter of, of our generation. I mean, the only two that I had to kind of like compete with him were Ricky Hatton and Joe Calzaghe, just purely based on their name. And, mm-hmm. you know, Joe Calzaghe never even unified the super middleweight division. So mm-hmm. he is, you know, I, I, so for that reason, I was like, you know, surely Josh Taylor's got to be above Joseph Calzaghe. And then you got to look at in the mega fights, Ricky Hatton against Pacquiao and Mayweather, he lost, but obviously, you know, he got some amazing wins, like the ones against Costa Zhu. Um, so, is Josh Taylor now, can we say, the best pound-for-pound pound British boxer that we've ever seen? Well, I guess that we've ever seen, and it sort of narrows it down quite, quite yeah, a lot. It's not our generation. I think we're 20 years old. It, well, we're old now, 23 years old. In our 23 years, who else... So I mean, Lennox Lewis, but that's before that time. Way. I mean, is that too? Is that out of the question? Is that too too long ago? Well, I'd say I'd like that was I put him in the mix, but then I'd never actually watched him box with my own eyes. Like, mm-hmm. I'd have been too young at the time. Yeah. Um, so surely then, you know, of of surely who since you know we've been old enough. Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult. He's definitely in there with a shout. You know, comparing him to someone like Hatton first. Um, you got to consider, I mean, look at who Ricky had to fight. I mean, 
prime Mayweather, prime Pacquiao, um, whether Josh will ever fight anyone at, to, at that standard is is a big question. Um, you know, like I said, we've got he's got a great resume, but he's not, in my opinion, for anyone who's like of that pound for pound greatest. Um, you know, so it's, it's a difficult comparison. And then with Joe Calzaghe, of course, he was undefeated, but he he had quite a sort of sheltered record. I think he's quite protected as a fighter, um, and sort of was quite clever in the way the that he was... Richie Woodall, I love you, Dan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though. He was quite protected and he fought guys at the right time. Like, you know, obviously when he fought Roy Jones Jr. and it was a bit like, yeah. But b went well. on to become a world champion after... Yeah, Luton no, it's, it's fair. It's fair. I think, in my opinion, I would put what Josh has done above, um, above Joe just because he sort of dared to be great in a way a little bit more and just gone straight for the unification, no messing about. And I think that has to mean something. So I would put Josh above Joe. Um, Ricky, comparing with Ricky Hatton, it's just a difficult comparison. It is very difficult. It's just, you know, when you compare that competition, it's just it's difficult to, to then say who would be better really. But yeah. yeah. Well, I think, yeah, the, the next two years are going to be the defining years because realistically, say he goes on and he beats Teofimo Lopez, he beats Spence or Crawford because those guys are kind of that level. Um, like they're, they're probably going to be like world greats. Well, Terence Crawford already is like one of an amazing fighter. Um, I think that's, yeah, that's the thing. If he beats them, then I think we can like properly put him as it. Um, put him as number one. Yeah, it's one of the things as well, isn't it? Where like you do wonder sometimes. There's, there's certainly a little bit of a bias, I think, when a guy's actually fighting now. I think it's easier to compare when when he's finished, when his career's over. I think it'd be clearer as to you know whether he would rank as the the pound for pound best. Also, another similar thought, totally off track. Um, pound for pound is the most stupid phrase ever because <laughs> obviously when I st- comparing like anti Joshua and I don't know, Ricky Hatton or someone tiny, obviously I'm, I'm assuming pound for pound. I'm not saying that Ricky Hatton would beat anti Joshua in a fight. Like, don't you think it's such a redundant phrase? The, the way I always picture it in my head, is, if you've got <laughs> like a machine and say you put, the guy in the machine, so everyone is exactly the same height and weight. So, like, yeah. obviously, with Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury, they get shrunken down into, like, a, a smaller version of themselves. And, say, for Ricky yeah. Hatton, if he was to get, you know, <laughs> like, 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 kind of um, enlarged, who would win in that fight? And that's why I always say, like, heavyweights just don't, you know, have such a disadvantage because yeah. they look so, like, all over the place often when they're fighting and clum- no, no. clumsy and and that's <laughs> why understand. like I always think like lighter pound for pound is always better than being a heavy fighter essentially. pound essentially because you you like an, a, a heavyweight boxer is never going to be a, a nicer cleaner more technical boxer than a a flyweight because a flyweight has to be so technical because they're so small yeah. No, that's a fair point. I mean, that's not really the point I was making, but it's also a very good point. No, but I I, just, no, that's the way yeah. that I see it. And I think you like we have to be able to compare people like 
pound yeah. for pound for me, I, I think it's a, a good phrase because you want to be the best. But obviously the biggest guy is always going to be like the, who would win in a fight? The bigger guy will always win. But if he was the same size as the smaller guy, who would win? Right. But, but for example, if I was to say, who's the best boxer on the planet, you're not thinking in your head, if I put them all in a ring with each other and eventually like who would be last man standing, you're thinking who's the best boxer pound for pound, but it goes without saying. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? No, no. It's yeah, just, yeah. It's just I, a pointless thing to say. Yeah. Is, is what, well, I, anyway. I just, yeah. I think it's just one. <laughs> I think it's probably more for the people that don't understand or aren't fully involved yeah. in boxing. Cause that's it's fair. like, Oh, well surely yeah. Tyson Fury or Ramsey Joshua yeah, yeah, is yeah, going to yeah. beat Pacquiao <laughs> or Mayweather. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah, so you just have to clarify for the idiots. Like I'm sure we've got a few that listen to this. Well, they must be. Yeah, including us, probably. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I heard you had a good night on Saturday then, yeah. down the Sky Dome. Yes, yes, back in, the, back in the Sky Dome in Coventry for the boxing. Um, it's been a long time coming and it, you know, it's, it was just amazing to be back. Um, they did about 500 tickets for the fight. So I'm not sure how many they usually get in the Skydome. I think it's about 2,000, maybe 2,500 seats in there. So in no means was it packed out. But the the people that were in there made themselves well known. Um, so obviously I got tickets to go and see um, Walkington-based fighter from Bedworth from Coventry. Um, River Wilson Ben, um, and I think out of the five hundred tickets, he he probably sold three hundred, or if not more, because um, mm. really the atmosphere for him was just like our like just especially coming out of the pandemic, it was ridiculous and it was so. I mean, I was going to say you could hear it, you could hear you know how many fans. I've listened to it back, and it doesn't do it justice because in the moment, I mean, it was just. Mm. Like you can feel it, and I haven't, I haven't had that feeling in in ages. Um, so it was so good to be back. Um, yeah. So I mean, there was a few guys in the on the undercard that um, have you heard of Idris Virgo, the Love Islander? Oh yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. He's a Mick Hennessy fighter because obviously it was a Mick Hennessy show, so it was shown on Channel Five, and he was fighting on the undercard, and. He's quite a controversial figure in like pro boxing, especially around like the, the Midlands area. Um, and yeah, he, 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 I mean, he went in with his Apollo Creed shorts and his Apollo Creed haircut and mustache and really was not anything superb. He, he actually fought the same journeyman for the second time, um, Lewis Van Poch, um, which, why would you find the same journeyman twice? That's just an exhibition at that point. No, it? Like... genuinely, I mean, why would you possibly find the same journeyman again? And to, he had like a six-round war with him as well. It was a six-round slugfest with a journeyman. Um, yeah, that was that's a bit embarrassing. And I see um, Idris like causing a lot of stir and say calling out guys like River and saying that he's actually too good to fight River. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit a bit weird. I don't know whether it's just kind of um, publicity rather than any actual sustenance. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, um, who else was on there? 
well, but let's let's skip ahead. I'll go straight to the to the people's main event, which was River Wilson Ben. Yeah, well, tell, tell me all about tell me about you know how you've seen him grow as a fighter, as someone that you've trained with, you know, and sort of progress his way up the ranks. You know, how has he developed as a fighter in in your opinion, and you know, how has he sort of got to to where he is now? Well, the thing is, I remember River from when I was probably about twelve or thirteen, because obviously being from the same town next to me, I remember watching him on shows, um, and he. I actually remember him once beating up one of the fighters from, from my club. And because I'd heard of him at the time and I don't think he was that experienced. He must've been about 15 or 16. Um, and the guy from my club was quite strong. I remember just going and watching River just absolutely like just beat him up. Basically. I think he stopped him in like the third round. Um, and uh, you know, I, I remember seeing River, at, you know, as an amateur at Haringey, um, we went along to go and watch him him fight um, a, a big box cup in London, basically. Um, and I think he got the silver medal that year. But he was just always such like a just full-on fighter. His fitness is, has always been ridiculous. Um, conditioning on a different level. And he can just really slug it out with anyone. Um, and just to see how River's now progressing to a pro, you know, he had his typical, like, you know, early journeyman fights, got him out of the way. And obviously, always, when 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 it's a prospect versus a journeyman, you can kind of get that, like, survival mentality from the journeyman. So you don't really see what Rivers, River was capable of. Um, but now he's going up against some beaten prospects, and especially at, like, you know, 7-0 and and 8-0 and and 9-0 and fighting guys that are also undefeated. How often do you get that at professional? Um so that's what I really respect about Riv is that, you know, he hasn't just shied away and, oh, just build himself up the, you know, and fight half decent guys. Like he's actually taken on other really good prospects. And this one was, you know, he was fighting a, a, a guy that was 5 and 0. So Rivers was 8 and 0 at the time. Um, the Midlands area title at middleweight. Um, and it was just a, a, a class class fight and it, i think it really stole the show um river just showed that he's probably his resilience a little bit more skill um because he was just picking apart the the george at, at points um and he showed as well that when he's really getting into a, a tough fight it's just like it, it's strange because for a guy that's so big i mean he must be about six one or six two um for a middleweight, so he's quite slender and um, and slim, but he like he actually works really well on the inside and and just kind of gets stuck in and beats people up, which you wouldn't really expect from a guy of his of his um, kind of stature. But yeah, I mean, it was it was phenomenal, and and the finish itself was. It, I mean, it was just showing like that kind of like killer instinct where when you know like a shark when you sniff blood you just straight in on him and um, I, I, I i i assume you've also watched the fight and watched the stoppage because it, it did, did just seem a, a little bit brutal at the end yeah i mean i thought it was quite late stoppage really um took quite a few unanswered shots and yeah like you said is sort of finishing instincts really came into play and he was so accurate with those shots and there was just no no let off um, and yeah, I thought it was a little bit late, but you know, you have to keep going until the ref pulls you off. So he did the job and, you know, it was fantastic. And 
you know, obviously I, I was really excited watching it and being sort of proud of watching someone from, uh, well, from Coventry, from Bulkington slash. Well, Bed, he's, to, he's, a, he's a Bedworth lad yeah. and he trains in Bulkington. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what, uh, that is the small village that I'm from, which is, you know, <laughs> it, is, it is a small village. So to have someone kind of representing yeah. it on, no, it on the yeah. Channel 5 show. Well, I, my point was that, you know, I, I felt proud, you know, watching him. I can't imagine what you felt. So, um, yeah, it was great to watch and it makes you really excited for, for what's to come for, for River. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you, you released a, an interview from um, Peter Fury where Peter Fury was saying that he thinks he's world-class, uh, you know, he has world-class finishing. And, you know, when you're getting that kind of claims from from people with that kind of knowledge, and uh, it does just make you think, you know, how far really can he go? Um and I definitely think you now he's, he's like he's got got that potential. You know, I see him being an English champion. Mm-hmm. See him probably getting a British title, and then you know, once he's got got there, we can probably say how how much further can he go after that? Um, yeah, it, it is exciting. It's exciting to be involved in that experience um, and to feel like you're along with on the journey. Thank you very much for listening to the Left Up Larry podcast. We'll be trying to put a podcast out every single week. I hope you have a great day.